to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I am joined again today by the wonderful, radiant Meredith Clark. Hi. How's it going? It's good. Did you enjoy your two-minute break we just took? I did. <laughs> Drank some water. Hydrated. my text messages, you know. It's important. You got to stay hydrated. I know. Guys, are you all staying hydrated? Did you have water yet? You should have a glass of water right now if you haven't had one. There uh, does remind me there is a classic Daily Show field piece that Steve Carell did about beating the heat. <laughs> okay. And at one point he says, it's important to stay hydrated, John. And he says, so you drink a lot of water? He says, yes, but it's also important to stay hydrated. And it goes back and forth and Stuart says... What do you think staying hydrated means? And he says, to take on hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, there's uh, several other bits there. To be perfectly clear, yes. I mean to drink water. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. important. It's definitely important. Yeah. Um, so on yesterday's episode, we did, I was like, what just hit my foot? It was my fat little cat, Desmond, running by me to get by the window. Guys, that scared the shit out of me. Probably because I just saw A Quiet Place and I'm like, what's attacking me right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, on yesterday's episode, we uh, gave some viewing uh, and I think listening recommendations, yeah. but I wanted to check in to see if there was anything else you've been watching, reading, listening to, even like if you had a good meal recently, mm -hmm. anything that made you happy recently. Um, well, I will say... I am a big fan of the Amazon remake of Picnic and ha of Picnic at Hanging Rock. Oh, okay. It oh, is yeah, the, you told me yeah. about this. Yeah. Um, it's a remake of a 1975 film by Peter Weir, but also was a book, and now it's a six-part uh, Amazon miniseries starring Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones. And it is super horny. In, <laughs> that is know. the text I got from Meredith. She's like, watch this. And I was like, okay. And you were like, it's super gay and horny. Yeah. Not explicitly in basically any way. It's just extremely horny. And you think like, <laughs> oh, man, everybody's just sweating in the outback and just so, so repressed. Like, um, Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So highly recommend that. Uh I did have an incredible meal over the weekend. Uh, my boyfriend did a massive cookout for some friends yeah. at uh, their on their rooftop. So, ate some uh, really delicious shrimp tacos mm -hmm. and uh, elote, like the corn. Mm -hmm. um, all homemade, all wonderful, you know, home pickled jalapenos and such. Like, yeah. pretty, pretty incredible stuff. I was very, very pleased. Um, a rooftop yeah. cookout sounds amazing. Yeah, it felt, there was also a kiddie pool that they filled oh, up. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. You were posting photos. Yeah. yeah. I was so like, where is she? <laughs> no, I was, on a, I was on a roof on 123rd Street in Harlem. Hell yeah. Uh, just, yeah, just dipping my toes <laughs> in some ice cold kiddie pool, New York City water. That is really something I would miss a lot if I moved out of the city. When you have a friend who has access to a roof. Yeah. And like going up there during the summer is just the best. It does end up being really lovely. Ugh. I mean, I thought so. That was that was my ideal meal. I'm trying to think if there's haven't haven't done anything super special other than that, but mm -hmm. been been making it work. Those are good. Um, I'm trying to think if I've been. Oh, I've been listening to some music. Uh, I don't want to brag, guys. I listen to music sometimes. Um, Oh, Eric recommended this on the show the other day, but I got around to listening to it, actually. Um, Hopalong's new album, Bark Your Head Off Dog. Mm, it's familiar. great. Um, Hopalong's awesome. Also, and this is not a new recommendation, I just want to talk about how great she is. Robin is amazing, guys. So good. Just listen. I know maybe we have some bad connotations because her music was used in girls even though i like girls but i know a lot of people don't like girls also i'm sorry it's not robin's fault it's that not. they decided to accurately portray robin's music as the ideal uh apartment roommate dance party exactly, music exactly but it actually is yeah like, well that's yeah that was one of the things they got absolutely right about that moment in time in new york city literally every girl <laughs> who lived with another girl in the city did that at least once dancing on my own bitch yeah, yeah of course um, um and she may have a new record coming out soon i think the question of whether it comes is amazing. is happening but yeah the anticipation is mounting yeah the reason i got fully back into celebrating robin was 
I intern at UCB and last night was mod night and the sketch teams always play songs after each sketch mm-hmm. and call your girlfriend was one of the songs. And I was yeah. just like, man, this is such a, f-. like in hearing it on good speakers, I was like, this is such a good song. Yeah. Ugh, she's great. Listen, it's not her fault. <laughs> so I've been listening to her a lot. Um, God, I am not reading a thing. A I, thing. I am supposed to go to the beach next week and I need to bring a, beach, a book. beach book and I do not know which one to bring. Well, listen, guys. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Do you have a good beach book? Let us know. Yeah. Uh, definitely not something that's going to make me cry and preferably yes. not like a rom-com in waiting, but anything sci-fi, mystery, mystery something that's yeah. kind of nerdy is always going to be there for me. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm ready for the beach. I bought a tent. Nice. For my pale self, so I can hide in there and I can read. Um, yeah, I am. F- I got a cooler. I'm fully stocked. Ooh. That's like one of my goals this summer. I'm like, I got to get to the beach. Yeah. Well, we'll also the adventure of going to the Rockaways and then checking out all the new food spots. Ooh. Apparently, mm-hmm, Gothamist mm-hmm. has a very good rundown of both restaurants and what the food truck scene is going to be like at Jacob Reese. Hell so yes. lots and lots of options. Oh, yes. So, and then watching, talked about the Americans, talked about A Quiet Place. Um, what else? Oh, uh, this weekend, the movie Hereditary comes out. Oh, Super right. terrifying Tony Collette uh, movie. And I am dying to see it. Um, God, and she's I'm, another yeah. one. Like, what a gift. Oh, yeah. I mean, from since Muriel's wedding, like, she has just been mm. changing lives everywhere. Like being she was amazing. the mom in the sixth sense, right? Uh, yeah, she was. Oh wait, was she the? Was she the mom in the sixth sense, or was she the? She was in the mom, the mom in about a boy. Okay, I'm gonna check. So like, I remember I saw Tony Collette when I was really young, and I was like, like in my head, I was like, this woman is the greatest actress <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but I might be remembering that wrong. Oh, she is. Yeah, yeah. Tony Clip. Man, she played so she played moms to fucked up children in a lot of different She's things. so good at it though. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, no, I I love her and I think she's so charming and wonderful. And I think that if she's gonna be in a movie that's like, oh, the family's totally fucked up and it you know. Yeah. Those, those previews make me wanna cry and I'm really excited to watch it. Hell yeah. Guys, I mentioned this on yesterday's episode, but if you heard the episode where I read a excerpt from Baby Allison's mystery novel that I wrote when I was maybe seven or eight. God, I hope I was seven or eight. (laughs) I hope I was not older. That's my great fear. I'm going to find out I wrote it when I was like 13. Uh, But I think I was like really little. So I read an excerpt from it and Eric floated the idea of me turning it into a screenplay and then us doing a taping of the screenplay. So I am currently in the process of transcribing it to a screenplay. I think I'm going to post that at my Patreon first before I post the bonus episode for supporters. But I wanted to use this opportunity to remind you guys that I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Uh, in fact, we have an online hangout coming up on the 10th, June 10th, which is a Sunday at 12 o'clock Eastern time for my $10 a month supporters and higher. I also posted for my $5 a month members. If you want to send questions, we'll answer them on Light Treason News. But yeah, I'm going to, my life has been chaos recently, but I'm going to try to post more there because um, I've been focused so much on starting the new show and finding a home <laughs> I got a little distracted How from Patreon. How dare you? I know. It's no excuse. And I don't mean it for it to be an excuse. But I was like, hmm, I should probably prioritize shelter. Maybe. It looks like it's about to storm. Yeah, I might re- I might really be screwed. I'm going to... Yeah, guys, I know this is not interesting uh, for you. But I'm... Meredith's wearing a very pretty dress. But she's not dressed for the elements in any way. Um, so before I get into newsy stuff, were there any other like things you wanted to talk about? The pop culture section, I should say, is really also just like a bullshitting section. Ah, So is there anything like you wanted to rant about? Oh my God. If I had been thinking about things I really wanted to rant about, I, here's the thing that I actually, it's a bit of a rant. It's a bit of an appreciation. Okay, great. I recently rediscovered how cathartic it can be to 
gossip. And I don't mean <laughs> like just making things up. I don't mean spreading those, you know, whisper network rumors. Yeah. I mean, recognizing that there's still something that's kind of pissing you off. And a person who's got some power in is a shit, mm-hmm. like maybe needs to be, needs to chill a little bit. Yeah. So then you, you like can ha- take the opportunity to share some stories mm-hmm. with people that might get that information oh, yeah. further out there. And I really like, yeah, how I've put some really great shit talking, uh, like sessions lately and it's been great. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that there's a kind of therapy that's a group talk. Yeah. You know, like there's something about, especially if you've gone through something that maybe isn't necessarily like traumatic, but you had an experience and you're like, hey, this very spe- specific thing happened to me. And then you have a group of people who are also like, I too went through this specific thing. Like that connection feels so good, you know? Yeah. I think it's good for your mental health. Yeah, I think so too. And I, yeah, I, I feel like that's, this should not be, uh, yeah, definitely not be mistaken for just regular talking shit about someone, deciding to make them feel bad. This is very much a, like, there is a there is a wrong that has been right, been sure. done uh, rather than a, I just don't like them and so now I'm going to say mean things. I think that's a great recommendation, guys. Gossip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I have a story that I didn't share. I shared it on my Instagram stories because I was so busy. This uh, past weekend was my dad's seventieth birthday, so I went Happy home birthday, to Allison's dad. Hell yeah! Hi, dad. Uh, They might be listening. I don't think my mom will get mad if I say this, but she's so cute. So she got a bunch of decorations Mm -hmm. and they rented out. I don't know if it was like a rectory, but it was like a room that this church rents out to people for events. And it has like a kitchen attached to it. It's like a perfect party space. So we get there and it's a big room. It's really nice. But there is a giant cross Mm. like on the one wall. And I am just like, because I'm difficult when I see something like that, I immediately like want to do sacrilegious things. And right. I was like, let's tie balloons to it. And my mom was just like, no, hard no. We can't do that. We can't disrespect this space. And I was like, okay. So then uh, she starts showing me like the decorations she got for the party. And I immediately realized she accidentally has a pride theme. Oh, she got rainbow everything. <gasps> I love it so much. And it was so pretty. But I thought it was so funny that during Pride Month, we just decked out this church space in the pride flag, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was taking photos of it. My mom was like, stop it. And I was like, no, this is hilarious. This is so yeah. funny. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not a pride celebration unless somebody showed up dressed as the Duke. So, uh, you know, at least you missed that part. Guys, do we need to refresh people about how the Duke accidentally I, became a gay icon? Yeah, I mean, I really think we should. I mean, this is like happy anniversary to going to that bar in Ridgewood and discovering uh, graffiti in the background or in the bathroom that just says the Duke is a gay icon. And yeah. then they drew a picture of the Duke. <laughs> so I don't even know really how it happened, but the Duke, which is a great horror movie, um, came out and then... I, was it Twitter? Did Twitter... Twitter just decided somewhere on, on queer Twitter... Someone decided that because the Babadook is a messy bitch who lives for the drama, that means <laughs> that he is uh, obviously a gay icon. And so once that took hold, uh, then like whenever the next Pride rolled around, uh, there were people dressed in all different kinds of sort of like fetish Babadook wear. Yeah, yeah. And I... It was so yeah. fun. And like, it's it's one of those great cultural things that happens that you can't even like explain why it happened. And in fact, if you try to explain it, like we are right now, you sound insane. (laughs) Just like, yeah, the Babadook was a horror movie. Now he's gay icon. And here we are. Like, it makes no sense, but it's so great. It makes me so happy. And it just still makes me, I just still feel like, yeah, this is a thing I want to remember because like, it's just a great thing. Yeah. Uh, Also watch the Babadook. It's a great movie. Unless you're scared of scary things, in which case don't watch it. It's a very scary movie. Um, that's always one of the movies I hold up as an example of. I think like the 
cultural context of it is so much scarier than anything else that happens in the movie. It's basically about a single mom raising like a difficult child yeah, and how society is failing her and like she can't get help anywhere. And I mean, that's my, having a difficult child is my literal nightmare where I would like, Oh, speaking of that, did you ever see, see, uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Oh God. I was never able to, because I knew it was going to be too upsetting. It's really brutal. Like it, and again, so in case you haven't seen she, it, that, that's done by my favorite direct, like basically my favorite director, Lynn Ramsey. So it's like amazing. No, that's yeah. why it's so hard to watch because yeah. she's so it's so effective as a film. But so the cast is um, Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton, and uh, bless him, um, is it Ezra Miller. It's is Ezra, it? yeah. yeah, and they're incredible. And basically, it's about a very difficult child who like from the moment he's born he won't stop crying and she is totally alone with him and she can't get him to stop crying and he's just driving her insane <laughs> and then he he grows into a very difficult child and then a very disturbed teenager and he eventually um i don't know can you call it a mass shooting if it's not with a gun he does it with a crossbow i mean he he yeah yeah, he he, he, locks, a ma- he commits a mass killing. A mass killing. He locks his uh, classmates in a gym and he picks them off one by one. And they don't show it, but it's like you don't really need to show that to, up until yeah. that moment. Just like the tension of it. He's such a disturbed kid, and she's like just at her wits' end the entire movie. But that really is like sort of like the Babadook in that sense. Like she can't get help anywhere. Yeah. And in fact, if she does, she's a bad mother. Right. It's her fault. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. So so, I mean, I will eventually watch it because I, I want to. But man, it's yeah, it's, it's like one a of tough those one. movies I can't even say like I enjoyed. It was just so effective that afterwards I was like shook. I was like, damn, that was really good. I don't know if I could ever watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I have a long list of those movies, and uh, like that. Yeah. I'm at least this one's made by a woman, so I guess it's not quite as bad. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. the. You know, I think about Dancer in the Dark is my number one I'll Never Watch It Again movie. That's the Bjork, Lars von Trier movie. Oh, I never saw it. Don't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's beautiful. The music is beautiful. It's so effective. She's like a truly like radiant, magical presence, like, and also really down to earth because she's playing this like working mother who's going blind and like has a small child and it's, it's so sad and she's a factory worker and uh but you also definitely watched the results of Lars von Trier literally psychologically torturing her over <sighs> the course of this um there's a reason she's never made another movie I mean yeah. he made her life a living hell yeah. um but you know it's still absolutely incredible I just like literally haven't seen it since or had any interest in seeing it since I watched it when I was in college. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the do not watch, I haven't even seen this, but it's just been anti-recommended to me so many times by people. The new season of 13 Reasons Why. Oh, God. I would know. Yeah. I had I no have... desire to see that. I thought the first season was bad and potentially dangerous. Um, but apparently there's just like a brutal rape scene in the second season. And people are like, what the fuck is this show? Like I, so many people mm-hmm. just, and I haven't like brought it up. I've had people bring it up to me where they're like, don't watch this. I have no, I've, I didn't have any interest in watching the first season. It didn't seem interesting to me. And I think there's something so exploitative about this, like, and adding these things in, like I there's such the blaming people for the suicide. Like that no. to me is just like, other than what drives me nuts about the show is almost none of the reasons actually matter except the 13th reason, which is she's raped. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously the dude who raped her is the factor in her suicide, yeah. you know, but like to clump the people who were like, my best friend was mean to me one time <laughs> like in with that is like, Jesus Christ, what is happening? I mean, it's just like the worst, most pandering YA bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And when you add in that level of explicitness, like, this is going to sound really obnoxious because I'm going to get kind of in my day. But you know what? In my day, if you were going to see something like that in a bit of pop culture, you're watching fucking Boys Don't Cry. And you are watching the, 
the story of Brandon Tina, mm. uh, the trans man who was murdered in Nebraska in the 90s. And right. it was like really awful. Um, but it's this tragic story with, you know, falls in love with another woman and has, right. to sac- you know, but yeah, the end of that is awful. But like <laughs> that was a movie I made the choice to see as yeah. a teenager because it felt important and I knew it was going to be really there right but it still had a point it was really what happened and yeah i mean and also just you know so many mental health professionals have been like it is so dangerous to show her kill herself and it's like brutal the way they show it and like to her credit credit kate walsh is in it and she's incredible as the mom like it, it's so hard to watch that scene because it seems like it's actually happening because mm-hmm. she's oh, such God. a good actress um but they fully show her cut her wrists and bleed out in a bathtub the whole thing and then her mom find her body i'm like what is why why like this isn't helping anyone you you can't see my face i'm just sitting here like (laughs) open mouth gaping (laughs) with my eyes wide and i think there's just in the seat yeah we can have these conversations over and over again about the you know oh well now we shouldn't we shouldn't be glorifying school shooters. We shouldn't be glorifying this. We shouldn't be glorifying that. And yet we still don't seem to understand that the people who are most likely to be influenced by popular culture are not the ones, are not going to be harming other people. They're harming themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's the, it's the same way where like when you talk about gun violence, the most likely outcome of someone having, you know, using a gun is that they hurt themselves mm, rather yeah. than hurting someone else showing these things is going to send a message to someone who's struggling in a way that like you cannot possibly understand if you're mm. not a mental health professional. Yeah, and like I I was really hesitant to believe that uh, until there were so many mental health professionals who were like, "No, honestly, this is dangerous" because pop culture is sort of the easy fall guy for a lot of violence where it's like is it is it violent video games that are causing mass shootings or is it easy access to guns, you know? Yeah. And like poor mental health care mm. um, programs. Uh, so I was kind of like, oh, come on. Like, would anybody really hurt themselves? And But then so many mental health care professionals being like, not necessarily that people will go out and, and try to die by suicide after watching this, but showing a girl um who was ignored or mocked um die by suicide and then do this weird thing with the tapes and then everybody feel sorry for her and give her a lot of attention is is that sort of negative reinforcement you don't yeah. want to be like see they'll be sorry if you die and they'll all like love you forever and you'll always be remembered yeah. like that's not the kind of message you want to send no and i think there's the you know there's obviously a lot of complexity there but yeah. i know you know you can see the depression and mental illness are such insidious diseases that it's important to avoid as much as possible anything that might, you know, I I think that it's just, there's not a whole, I don't see that there's a great artistic value in doing something like making something so explicitly about this that doesn't have more of a focus on how to help people or how to try. I mean, like actually getting there. I think that's why it offended me so much because it oversimplifies depression yeah. It's like if these 13 things had not happened, this girl would still be alive. And yeah. that feels really fucked up. Like yeah. really fucked up. Where it's like, no, you can't put, like depression is so often complicated and layered and it it, it has to do with a plethora of factors. Um some of them maybe being like chemical imbalances, you know, but to just like have this bullet point of like if her best friend hadn't gotten in a fight with her, she would still be alive. It's like, what? Yeah. Can you imagine like being a kid out there and like maybe one of your friends dies by suicide and you had seen that and you're like, oh, it's my fault. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it just creates too many more opportunities for kids to take uh, bad lessons about personal responsibility and then also like how to function in the world and have a sense of like what is, you know, or how you how you deal with hardship because I think like once you are trained, start getting trained to believe that it's your fault when something bad happens or that you brought this on yourself. Like think about all of the messages that that are things that that opens the door from like to when it comes to being unkind to yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so guys it's that time of the show. 
I, I think talking about 13 reasons why is a good segue into this. But uh, here is your bad news. Woohoo! So this first bad news item is a doozy. Um, Trump tweeted on Monday that the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller was not constitutional and again called the investigation into Russia's 2016 election interference a witch hunt. Uh, He wrote, the appointment of the special counsel is totally unconstitutional in caps locks. Uh, Despite that, we play the game because I, unlike the Democrats, have done nothing wrong. But then Trump earlier tweeted that he had the absolute right to pardon himself, (laughs) according to numerous legal scholars. And the investigation was being led by 13 very angry and conflicted Democrats. Um, So some mixed signals. Uh, Yeah. If you're saying you're innocent, it's weird that you that would follow you also saying, by the way, I totally have the right to pardon myself, guys. Okay. Not that I did anything wrong, but if I had done something wrong, I can pardon myself. So, by the way, have we ever nailed down for sure if that's true? Oh, he definitely does not have the power to pardon himself. Okay, he does not. All right, okay. I didn't think he did, but then I was like, I've never had to think about that before. So I was like, I don't know if that's actually true or not. I mean, I'm sure there are some constitutional scholars that would say there's some case in some way but this is it ultimately no they're like yeah. you know nixon there were some legal rulings around nixon that i think basically made it Ooh, the speaking case of nixon we're going to talk about nixon in a second but um yeah i it was one of those things where i was like that can't possibly be true but everything else is so fucked right now i was like I don't know. Can he? Like, <laughs> No, I mean, there has been a massive expansion of executive power in yeah. the past 20 years. And, you know, thanks Obama for some of that because hmm, he did a lot of that expansion himself, too. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but this is now, why it's important to hold uh, presidents accountable, even if they're on your team, guys. So uh, I'm sure that they're working on some very complicated arguments about why it is he does have the absolute right to pardon himself. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, no, you can't. The president is not above the law. He's not infallible. So, right. of course, he's not a not king. Possible. No, <laughs> we don't have a king yet. Well, that's good. Uh, so speaking of Nixon, right? Is that what I said before? Yeah. Great. Uh, Cy Hirsch. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, has a new memoir out, Reporter. So he is making the rounds, doing interviews. And he has been <clears throat> detailing his role in some of the biggest stories in recent American history, uh, the Malay massacre in Vietnam, abuses at Abu Ghraib. However, in one of the interviews, he just like casually dropped the fact that he knew that um, Richard Nixon was horrifically abusive to Pat Nixon. His wife. His wife. Um, In 1974, Hirsch wrote that he had heard that Nixon's wife, Pat, was in the hospital after being punched by her husband. It was not an isolated occasion. He did not report on the story, he told Neiman Foundation Fellows in 1998, because it represented a merging of private life and public life. Nixon didn't make policy decisions because of his bad marriage, went the argument. Hirsch was taken aback by the response from women fellows, who pointed out that he had heard of a crime and had not reported it. All I could say, Hirsch writes, is that at the time, I did not, in my ignorance, view the incident as a crime. (sighs) Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I I mean, I'm glad he fully admits he was ignorant. Uh, Great. But also, how fucking revealing, you know, that a a man would just be like, that's not a crime. He's like, like, oh, is it? I didn't realize that that was something you couldn't do. Also, how do you not think that the way the president treats women in his private life won't affect public policy do you know what i mean i mean that's just what the, that's just called the 70s like this <laughs> right, is like yeah. a <laughs> this is fucking crazy because it was so, in the 70s yeah. but i mean you could still legally rape your wife yeah. in the 70s true. so true, true, true. there were a lot of uh kinds of violence against women that were legitimately not crimes at that yeah. point so you know you'd... it like it makes sense for the time but it, it was breathtaking to see again how much things have changed i mean even t- in hirsch's to his credit in the book he talks about that where he's yeah. just like 
I was ignorant. It, it was a crime and I didn't <laughs> report on it, you know? And it, it was such a different time and he was covering all of these other stories, not to excuse it, obviously, but it's just so amazing to hear that. And that was totally typical. That wasn't like oh, Cy yeah. doing like going against the grain and not doing the like, nope, I'm sure no one would have faulted him. Maybe if like the handful of other female journalists would have been like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But like, it's incredible that that was just... Well, and, and I mean, also, like, you get into the... And I know this gets into some of the long, like, history nonsense of it, but, like, when you think about how antics of Democratic senators like Ted Kennedy were covered oh, so yeah. breathlessly as evidence of this profound character defect that, you know, oh, granted, he did have an accident in which a woman died, so like, and that got a decent amount of attention. So it's not like they was completely ignored. But right. shitty behavior as a reason for them not to be a, a leader is something that happens plenty often and has for many, many years. And it's fascinating that like somehow Nixon managed to get away with it because like beating your wife is not the thing that counts as bad. What's annoying about the Ted Kennedy thing too, and sort of the Bill Clinton thing too is when it, it when there are female victims and it, it was made into a big deal, it was never for the woman. No. It was never like to protect Monica Lewinsky or because like, you know, Republicans actually cared about the poor dead girl at Chappaquiddick, but like it was because they could bring down a prominent Democrat. Right. And they were like, it was a, we'll it was use a, a woman to attack yeah. our political enemies. It yeah. was about revenge and like the idea of something like domestic violence being a quote unquote private matter is still mm-hmm. something that exists with powerful men to this day. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons why uh, domestic abuse uh, at the hands of members of police forces are so terrifying and insidious. You know, Mm -hmm. you put someone in power, have them within an old boy network. How do you speak out about bad behavior without having someone dismiss you and say, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's between you. It doesn't, you know, he's a good cop. So that (laughs) means he's, you know, you should be able to figure this out on your own. And I think that's like, that's not, there's not a perfect one-to-one there, but you can still see examples of how people who have influence get away with being abusive yeah. because there is that sense of, oh, well, it's not really a crime. It's not really that, right. you know, because somehow there's, people are still desperate to convince themselves that something isn't actually as bad as it is. Sure. Especially if like it's inconvenient for us at the yep. time, you know, like Cy Hirsch, I'm, I'm sure, you know, dude had a lot on his plate. <laughs> he was like covering a lot of big stories. And, and if you hear something like that being like, that is just uh, that doesn't fit with what I'm doing right now, so yeah. I'm just going to set that aside. Mm-hmm. Or it's like I got to put a pin in this because I got to report on some war crimes. Like there is a, so much context that makes yeah. it hard to dismiss it entirely out of sure. hand. But also, uh, I think it's absolutely right and good that he's decided to like open up about this yeah. and admit I mean, his ignorance. Also, if we lived in a sane world, Cy Hirsch could have gone to his editor and be like hey, there's a domestic violence angle to this story. You should put another reporter on it. I'm going to cover these war crimes. Yeah. And I was like, have two reporters work totally. on it. Um, but yeah, that that's always... Or like if, if a prominent Democrat's being attacked, like other Democrats just circle the wagons because they're like, but we're trying to do all of this good with policy. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but you can do both. You can care about women yeah. <laughs> and, and advance your progressive agenda. However, it wasn't very pro- progressive under Bill Clinton. But anyway... Uh, I also wanted to talk about Puerto Rico. Oh, fuck. Speaking of Trump saying fucking stupid things, um, when he was bragging about the fact that, quote unquote, only 64 people had died. Um, Which it was obvious was obviously a lie. not true. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, everybody knew that was not true. Uh, and as it turns out, according to uh, researchers at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, um, there's a new death toll estimate that came out um, that says the death toll from Hurricane Maria may be as high as 4,645 people, mainly because of delayed medical care, hmm. which is even worse than if they had died in the, in the hurricane. initial hurricane, because obviously it was a huge story how Puerto Rico was being neglected by the United States, even though it, mm. it's part of the United States, um, and that Trump was just a completely inadequate leader and didn't care because these are brown people we're talking about that he probably 
doesn't consider to be Americans. I mean, they have resources that haven't been privatized yet. So there's like other shit that needs to happen. Filthy. Uh, Yeah. So hundreds of protesters gathered on Saturday um, by the United Nations to demand that the international organization audit the number of casualties because that number could also be low. We I was going to say, I thought that I've, I've read a couple things that said that it's based on their information, but that it could be low or it could still rise precipitously given how spotty power, water and basic supplies are. Yeah, for sure. That number is too low province. But I, I saw somebody the other day tweet and I'm sorry, I don't mean to crib it or not site who tweeted it but they were like if 4600 dogs had died americans would be outraged yeah outraged i think i thought that was somebody at one of the protests that they were being quoted okay. as saying like if 5000 dogs or 5000 cats like people would be up in arms yeah. but that it's this like um but if i i never remember that it, it was really powerful oh oh i have it i have it i have it uh elizabeth uh Pierre, if it were 5000 kittens there would be outrage uh, if it was 5,000 dogs, there would be outrage. If it was 5,000 blonde-haired, blue-eyed women, there would be outrage. And given how hard Donald Trump goes on the white ladies who are victims of crimes at the hands of, you know, uh, people who are not white, mm-hmm. that he then talks about as being immigrants, mm-hmm. some of whom I think actually weren't. But, you know, as he's using his examples, yeah, he manages to make a great outrage over just one blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman. Yeah. Uh, so... We can see. It's just such a depressing fact. It's not even like a thought experiment. That's just a fact. If there were 5,000 kittens who had died, Americans would be like, oh my God. Yeah. But these are human beings. And I mean, I, I won't say there's no outrage because obviously there's outrage. I've seen a lot of outrage on Twitter about but this. There's certainly not enough outrage right. about it. There's right. uh, there is not. I don't think it's possible to have enough outrage about this yeah. malfeasance. And then even more important than outrage, like meaningful action. You know, like people were saying this the whole as soon as the hurricane hit, people were calling for Puerto Rico to receive assistance. They cut off FEMA aid after no time. Yeah. Like they like just said, you, sorry guys. So Trump killed 5,000 people. Yeah, I mean, basically. He did. he did. If if you cut off aid like that, people will die. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when the, the most meaningful aid that came from the United States was that chef. Was it Jose Andres? The guy who had had the... Oh, right, right, right. Who yeah. had, was supposed to have a hotel or a restaurant in the Trump Hotel and then uh, pulled out because Trump was being racist. Mm. You know, going down and like fundamentally like fed like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people mm-hmm. for months at a time mm-hmm. and like whole cloth created like a system of distribution uh to communities that were like in desperate need of food uh-huh. uh yeah so like one dude and his you know and people he was able to mobilize from his like professional community did more for the people of Puerto Rico than the entire Trump government. Um, Bethany Frankel, yes. Yeah, she also well. did quite a bit. So this reminds me, and only <laughs> Meredith will see this photo. I'm sorry, everyone. Oh, my God. But one of the guys on my Lloyd team was at an event being taped uh, for Real Housewives of New York, and he's oh my God. in one of the scenes. So this is Dorinda just going at it with Ramona. And then that's my teammate. <laughs> In the background. Oh my God. That's also the face that he's making yeah. in exactly that tone. He looks like this is hot goss. Like that's his face where he's just like, oh. But he, uh, he captioned it. You know, I ended up in an event being taped for Real Housewives of New York and made sure I was near the drama. <laughs> I was like, yes. Anyways, guys, that was just for me. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what was so frustrating about... Puerto Rico because you know when you find out a story of that magnitude or a disaster of that magnitude but it's like well after the fact mm-hmm. and it's like oh that was much worse than anybody knew about Ev- like th- in real time people were like that number's too low that's a lie thousands of people are going to die you can't cut off FEMA aid and like everyone knew what was going to happen and it still fucking happened oh yeah just Ugh. yeah just the straight up decision and you know and that's you know what they're all cunts. Like mm-hmm. that's like yeah. I don't understand what why why you can't call any like literally anyone in the administration a cunt for <laughs> like being involved in you know, I mean maybe Ivanka wants her father to die and she's just like okay cool maybe like if it was my dad then I'd be okay but like yeah 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 th- this is the idea that it's fine to have you know 
people lose their children or their mothers or their fathers or their family. This is what I mean. Like what the selective outrage of watching grown men and women faint over the word cunt and then not give a shit about Puerto Rico. Like why does the word cunt outrage you? But 5,000 people dying because this administration cut off aid is not offensive to you. I mean, because white feelings are fragile and Mm. yeah, fragile and violent. I mean, basically, yeah, yeah, Yeah. at the same time. That to me, and it drives me nuts that like a host never, I I won't say never because I I really don't watch uh, cable news anymore. But when they do a segment where they're talking about the offensive word, cunt why they're never like okay do do these other things offend you as well like the fact that families are being torn apart that children are being held in detention camps that five thousand people died in puerto rico do you think those things are offensive how much have you written about it yeah how often have you gone on tv to talk about how outrageous it is you know like but also i think like the the people who are outraged I don't think they are that offended by those things. Well, that, and that's, that's the, the really thing. upsetting yeah, thing. That's the know? thing where I'm like, I don't think a lot of them are. And because racism <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> for one, you know, um, and that's a big part of it. Uh, the fact that these are primarily Latin America immigrants and, and um, Puerto Rican people who are Brown, you know, like, I think that's a huge part of it, but that can also be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it can also be like, why doesn't that offend you as much? Um, can I just throw in one? Oh, actually, yeah. no, I'll save it for later because it's actually almost a good news story. Ooh, so, we can yeah. get to it right now, guys. Um, before you go out into the rest of your day, jump up and down. I know you want to. Here is your good news. <laughs> Meredith, you take the reins. What's your good news? All right. So this is definitely in the uh, the vein of bad things happening to bad people, Love a.k.a. It. consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a local story, local to uh, our neighborhood in the in Bushwick, in, mm-hmm. in Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 29-year-old man was caught on video over the weekend screaming the n-word and other obscenities at the bouncers at the clubhouse of yes which is a super wonderful like super inclusive sex and and queer positive uh like club and event space they do lots of great stuff talking about the house of yes with faith because she had never been there before and she was like it's amazing yeah it's a it's a wonderful spot that has like every on every single one of their events like a very long and detailed description of being an inclusive space and the ways that like mm-hmm. essential code of conduct and how you're expected to. So obviously this guy had gotten into a scuffle with another bouncer. He was removed. Then he's like yelling at this second bouncer and he starts calling him the N word nope. multiple times. He gets recorded. No, no, no. You see the bouncer, you know, being very professional. Like they call it like, he's like, I'm calling the cops. And then the cops show up and they're like, do you want to press charges against this young man and bouncer? And the bouncer's like, Oh no, just get it. He's like, there's, you got other things that like, you've real work to do tonight. Oh. So please, you know, get along with your, get along your way. Oh. And then the house of yes, people like released a statement that was like, we're so proud of all of our, you know, staff mm-hmm. for handling everything so professionally. There's absolutely no space here. Blah, you yeah. know, like just a wonderful show of Good. solidarity from them to their workers. Like much love to the bouncers for being so calm and like much love to the people you could hear in the video who are like, what the fuck is wrong with you, yeah, dude? Don't good. say this stuff. That always drives me nuts whenever there is a video like that and there are so many bystanders and they're not saying anything. And like, listen, I know personal safety is important and like not everybody feels safe to yell at someone yeah. who's clearly unhinged anyway and yeah. is screaming. But it always makes me feel really good when it's it's like 10 people against one. Oh, are, yeah. Uh, like, but also, he, yeah, and he uh, is no longer employed at the company he was working for. Fuck yes. That, they yes, had already, yes, yes, yes. This happened on Saturday, and I think by the time the video, like by the time Gothamist wrote about it on Monday, he had they already had a statement out that was like he's no longer employed. He's a 29 year old man originally from Boston, so I think you have a good idea <laughs> yeah. of what kind of person he is. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but I thought that was another, just especially since that. I, that place is near and dear to my heart, and mm-hmm. that part of the neighborhood is actually very close to where I live. Yeah, uh, I have not okay. Well, you know, I'm sure everybody has spent a lot of time thinking about like, and worrying about what the chance that 
an incident like that might unfold in front of them because there's they're just happening so often. Yeah. And so it's obvious that New York isn't safe either. But you sure. just, you know, that it went from that racist dude in Midtown to a racist dude in Bushwick. Like there is like I just it's good to see that there are people that aren't interested in letting it happen. That is like one of the only positive things I can think of, which is we live in this age of social media and like immediate ramifications for Mm -hmm. stuff like that, where I'm sure there's, there's never a way to comfort a black person who is being called the N word because it is the most violent name you can call a black person. It's uh, a form of verbal terrorism. Um, It's I'm sure even if you're, a big bouncer, like it's a scary, bad thing that's happening, you know, but to know that people are filming it and that there's going to be consequences for this guy. I like, I hope gave him a little bit of comfort. We're like, all right, dude, you can sound off on me in your racist fucking fashion, but everybody's getting this on video and you're going to be ruined after this. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's such a, it's just a wild thought. Like the house of yes is a big place. It's a hopping place. It was like 1130 at night on a Saturday. So there would have, that corner would have been packed. There would have been a line. There would have been people at the other bars around the corner at the, you know, going to the delis and the restaurants. Like he was going to get caught doing that. Yeah. Um, and I, it's just like, wow, you are real stupid, you know. Enjoy. Everybody has a camera now. Everybody will get it on film, yeah. yeah. Um, so my good news was I wanted to shout out the Philadelphia <gasps> yes! Eagles. Who will not attend the White House celebration. That is customary after uh, winning the Super Bowl. We have a very strange tradition in the United States, which is sports teams uh, that win the biggest title in whatever their franchise is meet with the president at the White House and the president like congratulates them and they pose for photos and stuff. Um, But obviously the Philadelphia Eagles believed, and I believe this is true too, to meet with the president would be, you know, like, Uh, to express support of him and his administration and his policies. So they announced they're not going to uh, attend the traditional White House visit. Um, And Trump phrased it as that they're unable to come to the White House with their full team. (laughs) Uh, They uh, disagree with their president because he insists that they proudly stand for the national anthem. Oh, I love that he said their president. (laughs) He has also gotten so much crazier in tweets since that one. Oh, great, great, great. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's gone really, really far, letting down the American people and the fans. Fox News has been, because there is not actually any example of Philadelphia Eagle kneeling during the national anthem, Fox News has just been taking oh, yeah. stills of them praying at different times. I think they got and one of uh, some of the black players like holding up their fist during a prayer, and they just assumed, because it was black men holding up their fist, that they were protesting. Yeah, so they've been, you know, missed representing that although both and then both on the public and private accounts of the mayor of philadelphia um he called out the president for being a racist piece of shit and that like the city of philadelphia is behind the eagles wow yeah so i guess they're just gonna have an event today that's like rah rah they're actually still gonna do something there's just not gonna be any yeah they're just gonna it's not gonna be about the super bowl they're just gonna have like an america appreciation moment what if they get staffers to dress up as the philadelphia eagles (laughs) that's crazy i didn't know they're still doing it i mean that was when i got over here that was what was happening so maybe that's changed but i know that it's been he's having like a he's pissing himself with fury that this is yeah that they don't want to talk to him i also just as a general statement think it's really weird that teams meet with the president (laughs) i also think it's weird that the president calls them there's this weird kind of like i mean sports in the united states are incredibly like jingoistic well given the given the fact that the nfl is like subsidized and has that creepy relationship with the the military i mean like the air force planes flying over the stadium during the super bowl um and the the like the specific patriotic jingoism of the nfl and roger goodell versus the very radical and positive uh behavior and actions of the nfl players association Mm -hmm. just the players union um it's it's so you see the tension here now it's like they just can't the pretense doesn't work anymore when 
the players have decided they're not going to be pawns in this very specific like marriage of I mean yeah this is uh, what happens sports and and patriotism when 80 over 80 percent of your players are black like oh yeah whoever wins the NBA finals is definitely not going to the White House either yeah so although the Golden State Warriors are already not gone so if they keep it up it will just be one more year in which yeah Trump says something shitty about Steph Curry and then like did you see Steve Kerr when he great yeah oh so uh Steve Kerr who's one of the most famous NBA coaches um was asked about the kneeling and uh was basically just like the NFL is totally wrong to punish these players I'm proud that the NBA doesn't do that as much um and was like, this is about police brutality. Like, he just nailed it. I was like, holy shit. And I'm sure that's because, you know, he has black players who have told him what's going on. And he yeah. actually listened. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, you just see this. Like, the there's a willingness of players in the NBA to speak out against brutality and racism in a way that is that you just don't see in other sports, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Um, it's not because they're always they're the ones that are going to having more encounters with law enforcement i think it's just that there's been support at the team level yes at the union level that uh to allow them to speak out so there's still plenty of stuff that's like racist and patronizing like if you're not playing you have to like the your dress code with the suits and all of yeah, that stupid yeah. shit but oh and your like conduct during the pressers and stuff yeah yeah but i mean also they're not afraid to talk about what they like they get the support of their coaches and the organization right. and like when this one rookie uh player for the milwaukee bucks was the victim of a brutal mm. stop a uh, brutal arrest false arrest and, and tasing in a parking lot in milwaukee recently um within minutes of an announcement that there was body camera footage the um the bucks organization had a, a statement out that was like we are you know we demand a full accounting of what happened we demand all of the footage we're 100 in support of our Good. players and yeah. this is like how dare you treat people who are here to entertain and uplift the city with such disrespect yeah. and i and i know that like he's already said he's gonna sue the shit off the out right. of them and like the the footage is really bad but mm. like there's just such a it's i'm very glad to see players getting more radical again. I mean, it's everything that Dave Zirin is always writing about. I but was it's just so, going like, to recommend <laughs> everybody, if you want like a, a history of this, go read Dave Zirin. But yeah, I mean, with the Steve Kerr thing and, and other s- white supporters, like owners and coaches, I'm sure a lot of it is mutual respect and, and knowing these players and probably being friends with them. But also it's just like, this is such a stupid way, and I'm talking about the NFL more at this point, mm-hmm. stupid way to treat your players where yeah. it's like, you are nothing without their labor. Yeah. You're nothing. And it's just something, like, there's something about the way that labor is constructed across the different sports leagues mm-hmm. that means that the people who are in charge of the players in the NFL or the people who are coaching and who are doing this stuff definitely seem like they are willfully much more clueless like there's just this sense of you know it's not like billionaires don't own nba teams but somehow the billionaires that own nfl teams are just so unbelievably out of touch and so convinced that they can get away with anything and i think like i hope that more of like i hope that nfl players will take lessons from nba teams Mm -hmm. that have been really like forward and really like conscious because there's a lot like I think they could do really powerful work if you started like teaming up oh yeah for sure oh that'd be amazing um so before we completely run out of time is there anything that you would recommend people do this week in order to I don't know give themselves a little mental vacation Mm. or bring a little slice of joy into their lives Okay, a little slice of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, God, this is kind of a tough one as I'm thinking about it now. Do you have anything? I might need to think for a moment. Listen to Robin. Yeah, <laughs> have a dance party. That's a, a really good party. one. Actually, like, honestly, yeah, I, I always forget how laughing, like watching something funny or, yeah, like dancing for a second um, or even just 
totally unplugging from your phone and like getting off the internet and going to see like a friend and hang out and just like talk mm-hmm. how that completely and radically alters my mood. Yeah. And I'm not saying obviously that it's like a panacea or anything like that, or it, it's like a magic cure to depression or anything like that. But I always forget how like little things like that actually can have a huge difference mm-hmm. in my mood. Oh, I would say, um, you should read, Rob Sheffield at Rolling Stone's list of the 98 best songs of 1998. First of all, because Rob Sheffield is a goddamn national treasure of a writer and his, uh, every time he does criticism of pop music, it's perfect. All of his books are perfect. You should read them all. But this one came out yesterday and oh, is it so, so glorious. It will, uh, I highly recommend then going back and revisiting many of these songs because this is a year when you had things like uh, can I get a what what by Jay-Z <laughs> flagpole sitter by Harvey Danger uh-huh. like are you that somebody by Aaliyah and that's like not even getting into the early Backstreet Boys and Sync stuff oh, that was coming man. out um, it is it you know his argument is that was one of the weirdest years for pop music ever and so this list is like wild right uh, so if you if you need to pick me up I would say just bask in that list and the songs because you will not like it'll be its own dance party that is, is what such I'm a saying time capsule that's gonna be <laughs> wild oh well, you know what's depressing there's probably a lot of people listening to the show who won't know any of those songs and that's okay I, I was <laughs> I was trying to be careful not to call it like a bit of nostalgia or yeah, yeah. because not everyone was you know not everyone was around when, in sure, 1998 sure. but uh, and Cliff. Many people were not. But that's but just yeah. great music in general. Um, yeah. For your musical education, you should know this stuff. Yeah. It's all, it just makes you laugh. I mean, my, <laughs> uh, I called my sister to discuss this list and several <laughs> other things. Um, and we ended up on a, uh, on a, yeah, on a weird trip back to the MTV video or MTV movie awards the year that Katie Holmes was in this movie called Disturbing Behavior with James oh my Marsden. God, yeah. Um, it's like step for wives, but for high school guys. Yeah. Um, and then I had to remind her that, uh, the movie she was thinking of that I was, that I was not describing was teaching Mrs. Tingle, which starred Barry Watson from <laughs> seventh heaven, but also Katie Holmes. Yeah. We got, Katie Holmes was huge. Oh yeah. I mean, That's she was so everywhere for a while. But she was never a good actress. No, no, no. She was always terrible. Yeah. She was her, the frowns that she makes on Dawson's Creek are as epic as Claire Danes's cry face. Uh, <laughs> I just remember there yeah. is a moment in Batman where she, it, the line is so bad where she's like, <laughs> yeah, you better get out of here. And I was just like, that was the best take. That was yeah. like it that they use yeah. that. But um, yeah, it probably was the best take. Yeah. So anyway, that's my, I, I went on a long trip down memory lane, but I think there's something sort of hilarious about discovering, especially if you weren't super cognizant of pop culture at that time, you can get a real sense of like, wow, this is the reason why people in their mid thirties are so fucking odd. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> well, I mean, most that. of these songs we were listening to, we were watching on MTV or we were maybe probably not even downloading them with Napster. Cause that was the next year. Ooh, yeah, that's true. That is true. I do remember, I have a clear memory of like, yeah, I would watch MTV when there were still music videos and then yeah, Napster, yeah, this Before was like, they were tracing IP addresses. Yeah, this yeah. was like TRL period. So anyway, this is a just why we are so garbage. It's probably because we grew up with such schizophrenic pop music. It's hey. your fault, pop music. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is my version of saying violent video yeah. games and pornography <laughs> make school shooters. I'm like, oh yeah, we're garbage because there was like too much of a leap between Ja Rule and Blink-182. Oh, like, oh Blink-182. <laughs> Blink-182 was the first time I saw Tattoo Boys on a magazine cover, and I was, like, in love instantly. Aww. I was like, oh, they're all so cute, before I had any tattoos. Anyways, guys. Uh, yep, go read that, please. Did something just fly by me? Yeah, there, okay. you, there was a bug. Good. No, I'm glad there's a bug. It's not I, a ghost. I, no, I thought I just fully imagined it. It was my anxiety manifested as something <laughs> flying around my head. Uh, guys, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Please go to lighttreason.news and hit that donate button. Support the show for as little as $5 a month or a one-time donation. It's the only way I can keep bringing you episodes. So if you like the show, sign up today or maybe upgrade your support. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places. Guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.